Good morning, guys. Good morning. So good to be with you. I'm so excited um, just to be able to continue on in this sermon series. Um, God has been doing just exactly what Pastor Thomas said. God has been doing some amazing and powerful things um, week in and week out in these services. And I think it's just awesome to reflect on that and see, because it's something that we all as a church have been praying for for such a long time. And just to see God's faithfulness is just uh, an amazing thing. Amen. Awesome. So if you have your Bibles on you this morning, I would invite you to turn with me. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. It's going to be our main scripture. We're going to bounce around a little bit as well. But 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. And the title of my message this morning is, We Never Give Up. Somebody say, We Never Give Up. We Never Give Up. Amen. Before we get into the scripture today, I'd like to share with you a powerful quote from one of the greatest scholars and theologians of our generation, Rocky Balboa. (laughs) Let me tell you something you already know, he says. He's speaking to his son here. It's one of the later movies. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. Can I get an amen from someone? It is a very mean and nasty place, and it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life, but it ain't how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward, that's how winning is done. Someone say, amen, Rocky. Yes. If you're anything like me, it can sometimes feel like the world around you is doing everything it can to try and convince you to just give up already, right? Has anyone ever been there in life before? There are a million different reasons why you can be sitting here today with a perfectly good reason to give into that thought, right? Life can just not be fair sometimes, right? Sometimes it can be just a bunch of small inconveniences that all add up to a bad day, you know? Your phone charger is just too short from where you're sitting to where it's plugged in and you have to do that like reach thing to get it. Your hair is doing that weird thing again. You can't get it to sit right. The zipper on your jacket gets stuck halfway up and you have to like wiggle out of it in front of the people in your office, you know, and you drop your toast jelly side down. That's the worst. I just did that last week, actually. Very sad. Your morning coffee spills on you on your way to work and you have to sit the whole day with coffee stains on your pants and everything. Other times, it's just really heavy stuff, really heavy stuff that keeps piling up in your life, right? This really serious stuff. You get fired from your job with no notice. Family members get sick. Friends betray your trust. Spouses struggle with addiction or unfaithfulness. Loved ones are taken too soon from you. Depression hits. Loneliness feels like it surrounds your entire life. The truth is that life moves fast and hits hard at times. But how many of you know that that's not where the story ends? How many of you know that we serve a God that is so much greater than any of that? So let's read together in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We'll start in verse 1. Paul says this, Therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way or ministry, we never give up. We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God and all who are honest know this. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. 
They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made the light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Father God, I just thank you for your word, Lord. I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to what you'd have for us today. In your name we pray, amen. So in light of all the suffering and hard times and the things we just talked about, how can Paul sit there and tell us to stay strong and not give up? Right? How can he be so optimistic? How can he be so gung-ho, keep moving forward and everything? Why does his opinion even matter anyway? Right? Hasn't he been dead for like a thousand years? Right? There's no way he actually understands our struggles or what we go through on a daily basis. No, maybe not. But God does. And what Paul does know and what he devoted his life to teaching is the power of grace and the redemption of the cross. And I'll tell you right now, that is more than enough to cover anything that you may be going through at this moment. So I need you guys to do me a quick favor. If you are involved in ministry, raise your hand. If you are involved in any sort of ministry, everyone who calls themselves a Christian should be raising their hand right now. If you call yourself a believer in God, you should be raising your hand because the truth is not just the people you see serving publicly in church are involved in ministry. If you call yourself a believer in God, you are called to ministry as well. In fact, if you look up the word ministry in a dictionary, one of the definitions you'll find is the spiritual work or service of any Christian or a group of Christians, especially evangelism. Now I'm going to ask you again. If you are involved in ministry, raise your hand. There we go. To have someone next to you and say, let's go to work. Let's go to work. So what does that mean? Is everyone called to pastor a church or preach a sermon every Sunday? No, all the introverts said amen. But God has given us all one common goal that we should devote our lives to, to reach the world with his love and his grace. And Jesus says it this way in Matthew chapter 28, 19 through 20. You may have heard it. It's called the Great Commission. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. See, I was someone that struggled for a really, really long time with finding a sense of purpose in my life. The people that are close to me know that. It's something I talked about a lot. I bounced around a lot from different career goals and life goals and started school, dropped out of school, started jobs that never worked out long term. I felt like I just couldn't settle on anything. Nothing was sitting right with me, that nothing would give me the sense of purpose that I was searching for. And honestly, my biggest fear in life, I was terrified of wasting my life away in some mediocre job, working for the weekend and just hating my life five days out of the week. I did not want to be that person, right? I would constantly pray and ask God to show me what his plan for my life was. And I was waiting for some miraculous, you know, writing on the wall, some big light to shine down and say, John, this is it. This is your big moment. This is what I have for you. But nothing happened. It took me some time, but God began to show me that he already gave me a purpose. In fact, he did one better. He created me with a purpose to worship him, to love him, and to love people, to reach out to those around me that don't know him, and to build relationships with them and introduce them to Jesus in their lives. 
And Paul devoted his ministry to the same purpose, and he gave us an awesome example to follow as we try to do the same. Again, he said in verse 2, we reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God, and all who are honest know this. Someone say, give me the truth. Give me the truth. See, at this time in Corinth, there were people that believed and taught a self-centered gospel. This is a lot of what Paul is coming against when he is writing this letter to this church. These people preach Jesus as simply a self-help tool, right? A way to succeed, a way to get power for themselves, a way to get affirmation for their peers. Their gospel put themselves and their wants at the center of things instead of Jesus. And as the kids say today, Paul was not about that life. He was not about that life. He preached a radically different gospel And his gospel was a means of self-betterment and success. Of course, those are just natural byproducts of having Jesus in your life. But its central symbol was something very different. It was a sign of suffering and of death. It was the cross. The cross was at the center of everything that Paul preached. He preached sacrifice and humility, making less of yourself and more of God. That we should boast in our weakness and not our successes. Because our weakness, in reality, is where the rubber meets the road with God. That's where God's life-changing power shines through the brightest. That's why even when life doesn't make sense, even when we go through all these things, when everything around us is screaming at us to just give up, we can take our stand and say, no, you know, God has called me and he's anointed me for such a time as this. Yes, I may be weak. Yes, I may mess up. Yes, I may get knocked down and I may struggle and drag myself through this week day in and day out, but I'm picking myself up and I'm moving forward in Jesus and what he's called me to. Come on, someone's got to get excited about that, that our weakness is what God uses to drive us forward and our purpose in life. And I've seen churches with it all, you know, million-dollar sound system, perfectly timed media on the screens behind the preacher. The worship band never, ever misses a beat. They sing all the songs you like, right? Sanctuary is always the perfect temperature. The pastor says the right jokes and preaches for just long enough so that you don't get bored, but it's, it's pretty good. The message is good, but never too intrusive and always leaves you with that warm, fuzzy feeling on the way out. But the service is lacking. There's something that's missing there. There's a disconnect. There's no transformation. There's no power. There's no truth. See, we need to be passionate about the truth of the gospel. We need to be passionate about the truth of the gospel because the reality is the truth of the gospel is what gives us the power to keep going and never give up. Because if we make it about ourselves, we're stuck. We're not going anywhere. If we make it about Jesus, if we give our weaknesses and our shortcomings to Jesus, that's where his strength shines through, most powerful. Then Paul continues on in verse 3. He says, If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. So Paul says that if the gospel he preaches is hidden behind a veil, is hidden only from people who are perishing, and by that he means people who are unbelievers, right? But wait, if you remember, Pastor Tom just spoke about this a couple weeks ago. Chapter, and, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, he said, Paul says that the gospel is not veiled or hidden, but as the display of the glory of God. So is Paul contradicting himself here? 
No, Paul is speaking here about something that is very dangerous, something that we need to be on the lookout for at all times. Have you ever wondered why some people just don't want to listen to or accept the gospel? Have you ever had people in your life like that? It seems like no matter how much you pray or no matter how many church services you try and bring them to, you just get nowhere with them. It's like you're hitting a brick wall. Paul explains here that the reason for this gospel, that this gospel is hidden from these people is because Satan is blinding their minds, right? It's not that God's playing, you know, hide and seek with them or hiding himself from them. No, Satan is blinding their minds. Now you may sit there and say, yeah, okay, you know, I would never let that happen to me or you really expect me to believe in that kind of stuff. Yeah, because the thing is, Satan doesn't appear in front of you just out in the open, you know, with his little pitchfork in hand and say, you know, I'm about to make you sin just so you know. Okay, if you want me to stop, just tell me to go away. I'll leave. No, he knows exactly how to manipulate the deepest parts of your heart, right? He knows what will make you fall and how to get you to do that, to have you sin just enough that you are unaware that you're blinded to God. And it's interesting to me that Paul says, they're unable to see the glorious light, that phrase glorious light of the good news. Think about that. So he's saying that the good news or the gospel is light, right? The gospel is light. And we know that the gospel is the declaration of Jesus as king and savior from our sins, right? So follow me here. If the light is the gospel and the gospel is seeing the glory of the Lord and seeing the glory of the Lord is seeing Jesus, The gospel can really be boiled down to seeing God's glory manifested in your life. I know that was kind of hard to follow, but the gospel can really be boiled down to seeing God's glory manifested in your life. And I love these verses in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 9 through 11. It says, O Zion, messenger of good news, shout from the mountaintop, shout it louder, O Jerusalem. Shout and do not be afraid. Tell the towns of Judah, your God is coming. Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. He will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. He will feed the flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother's sheep with their young. See, Israel does not see the glory of the gospel in Jesus or what Paul calls this new covenant when they look at the law of Moses, right? In the same way, the world does not see this glory of the gospel in Jesus because Satan is blinding their minds. This is what Satan does. He blinds our eyes and he darkens our hearts. He makes it so we will not look at God's glory, right? We get distracted. That's when we start focusing on ourselves and what's going on in our lives and we lose God's perspective on things, right? We try, we stay stuck in our physical perspective and we fail to see things the way God sees them. We become self-absorbed and worry about what everyone else is doing for us or to us and thinking about our own desires or comforts or what we want in life. This is exactly where Satan wants God's church. He wants us to be so focused on ourselves and, and what's going on around us and bickering and fighting over stupid things like carpet or music styles. Instead of bringing God's miracle working power to the community around us, instead of making meaningful relationships with people and showing them Jesus in their lives, instead of being a church that's on the move, you know, instead of being a hospital for the sinners rather than a museum for the saints, the Bible tells us that we need God to open our eyes and hearts. Paul knows a thing or two about this. When he got saved, this is what God said to him. It's in Acts chapter 26, 15 through 18. Paul says, who are you, Lord? And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get to your feet, for I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and witness 
Tell people that you have seen me and tell them that I will show you, tell them what I will show you in the future. And I will rescue you from both your people and the Gentiles. Yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. Let that be our prayer this morning as a church. God, that you would open our eyes, that our, our, open our hearts to your glory, God, that we wouldn't be satisfied with the same anymore, God, but that we would go deeper in you, Lord, that you would bring us to meet this community, the people around us, in power, God. And Paul continues on in verse 5. He says, you see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake, For God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. The reality is, is that we proclaim a powerful gospel. We proclaim a powerful gospel because we proclaim the name of Jesus Christ, the one who is Lord of heaven and earth, the one who came into this broken and sinful world and took on our human nature, the one who lived a completely perfect life but chose to die on a cross for sin that did not belong on his shoulders, the one who took my place, the one who took your place, the one who was risen on the third day in complete victory over death and who ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. We proclaim the powerful and unmatched name of Jesus Christ. Amen. But how will the people living their lives blinded by the enemy begin to see this powerful gospel effect in their lives how will these people who you know get so caught up in what's going on around them begin to see Jesus how will the people who never want to hear or listen to a word you say about Jesus experience a life transformation because the same God who spoke light into existence from nothingness The same God who said, let there be light in the void of darkness. That same creative God is still speaking to this day. God speaks and he sends the Holy Spirit into the lives of unbelievers and causes light to burst through the veils so that we can see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God is still speaking light into our darkness the same way he did back in Genesis. And Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God. Someone say power. It is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. In that verse, he uses the Greek word dunamis, which is where we get our English word dynamite. And I think that's a perfect word to express what the gospel is. You see, dynamite blasts through rock into pieces, and that's exactly what the gospel does in the spiritual world. It blasts through the walls we built up around our hearts. It breaks through all the baggage from our past and gives God a new foundation to build on, to mold us into his image, to make us more like him. It it presses past all of our guilt, all of our shame, and it gives us a new identity as sons and daughters of a loving father. The gospel is the foundation of everything that we are as Christians. It is our story. It is our redemption. I'd like to ask our worship team to come forward this morning. You see, there is nothing in us that could ever do what the gospel does. There's nothing in us 
that could ever do what the gospel does. That is why Paul says he doesn't go around preaching about himself or his accomplishments or why he's so great or why he puts the best messages together or writes the best letters or anything like that. There's no way any of us could ever be good enough to save ourselves. There's nothing that we can say, there's nothing that we could do to make us righteous in God's eyes. Life is unfair, yeah, definitely. And that's exactly where God's grace meets us. That's never the end of our story. God never leaves us in the unfairness of life. Because the thing is, grace is pretty unfair too. Grace is pretty unfair. It's something that we can never earn. Nothing in us deserves it. But still, God chooses to lavish this gift on us freely every time. It's because of this gift, this gospel, that we can face life and everything it throws at us because we don't face it alone. We don't face it in our own strength. God never leaves us to walk this thing out by ourselves. We face this life in the strength and power of Jesus. Let's worship together this morning.